Welcome to the H&E Podcast, where we seek to celebrate the steadfast love and faithfulness of Christ through discussions on church history, biblical spirituality, the Bible, Christian living, and theology. Shall we get started? Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices by Thomas Brooks Edited and read by Christopher Ellis Osterbrock Part 1, Chapter 2 To Make Sin Look Like a Virtue The second device of Satan to draw the soul to sin is by painting sin with the colors of virtue. Satan knows that if he should present sin in its own nature and dress, then the soul would rather flee from it than to yield to it. Therefore, he presents it to us, not in its own proper colors, but painted and gilded over with the name and show of virtue, so that we may be more easily overcome by it and take more pleasure in committing those sins. He presents pride to the soul under the name and notion of neatness and cleanliness. He presents covetousness, what the apostle condemns for idolatry, to be good husbandry. He presents drunkenness to be good fellowship. He presents riotousness under the name and notion of liberality. Satan presents wantonness as a trick of youth. Four remedies against this device. Remedy 1. No color can cover the filthiness of sin's nature. First, consider that sin is never a bit less filthy, vile, and abominable when it's colored and decorated with virtue's paint. A poison pill is never a bit less poisonous because it is gilded over with gold. A wolf is never a bit less of a wolf because he has put on a sheepskin. And the devil is never a bit less of a devil because he appears sometimes like an angel of light. Neither is sin any less filthy and abominable by its being painted over with the colors of virtue. Remedy number two. The more attractive a sin is, the more danger it holds. The second remedy against this device of Satan is that the more sin is painted under the color of virtue, the more dangerous it is to the souls of men. This is evidenced in these days by those many souls that are turned out of the way that is holy and in which their souls have had sweet and glorious communion with God into ways of highest vanity and folly. Those souls have been compromised by Satan's cunning coloring over of sin and painting forth vice under the name and color of virtue. This is so notoriously known that I barely need to name it. The most dangerous vermin are so often found under the fairest and sweetest flowers. The fairest glove is often drawn to cover the foulest hand, and the richest robes are often put upon the filthiest bodies. So are the fairest and sweetest names placed upon the greatest and the most horrible vices and errors that are in the world. Ah! that we did not have so many sad proofs of this among us. Remedy number three. Consider the dread of sin's effects in the future. The third remedy against this device of Satan is to look on sin the same way with those same eyes where in a few hours we shall see it. Ah, souls, when you shall lie upon a dying bed and stand before a judgment seat, then sin shall be unmasked and its dress and robes taken off and it shall appear viler, filthier, and more terrible than hell itself. What formerly appeared most sweet will then appear most bitter. What appeared most beautiful will then appear most ugly. 
What appeared most delightful will then appear most dreadful to the soul. Ah, the shame, the pain, the gall, the bitterness, the horror, the hell that the sight of sin, when its dress is taken off, will raise in poor souls. Sin will surely prove evil and bitter to the soul when its robes are taken off. A man may have a kidney stone who does not feel it at the present. Conscience will work at last, though for the present one may feel no fit of accusation. Laban made the divide that stood to part himself against his progeny. Sin will be bitterness in the latter end, when it shall appear to the soul and its own filthy nature. The devil deals with men as the panther does with beasts. He hides his deformed head until his sweet scent has drawn them into his danger. Until we sin, Satan is a parasite. But when we have sinned, he is a tyrant. O oh, souls, the day is at hand when the devil will pull off the paint and garnish that he has put upon sin and present that sin monster in such a monstrous shape to your souls that it will cause your thoughts to be troubled, your countenance to be changed, the joints of your loins to be loosed, your knees to be dashed one against the other, and your hearts to be so terrified that you will be ready with Ahithophel and Judas to strangle and hang your bodies on earth and your souls in hell. That is, if the Lord has not more mercy on you than he had on them. Oh, therefore look upon sin now as you must look upon it to all eternity, and as God, conscience, and Satan will present it to you another day. Remedy number four, consider the cost of sin upon Christ. The fourth remedy against this device of Satan is seriously to consider that even those very sins, those that Satan paints and puts new names and colors upon, cost the best blood, the noblest blood, the life blood, the heart blood of the Lord Jesus. Consider that Christ should come from the eternal bosom of his Father to a region of sorrow and death. Consider that God should be manifested in the flesh. The Creator made a creature. Consider that he that was clothed with glory should be wrapped with rags of flesh. He that filled heaven and earth with his glory should be cradled in a manger. Consider that the power of God should fly from weak man. The God of Israel into Egypt, the God of the law, should be subject to the law. The God of circumcision, circumcised. Consider that the God that made the heavens worked at Joseph's trade as a carpenter. Consider that he that binds the devil in chains should be tempted. Consider that he whose is the world and the fullness thereof should hunger and thirst. That the God of strength should be weary, the judge of all flesh condemned the God of life, put to death. Consider that he that is one with his father should cry out of misery, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Consider that he that had the keys of hell and death at his girdle should lie imprisoned in the sepulcher of another. Consider that he had nowhere to lay his head throughout his ministry and, even after death, had nowhere to lay his body. Consider that Christ's head, before which the angels cast down their crowns, should be crowned with thorns. Consider those eyes, purer than the sun, put out by the darkness of death, those ears which hear nothing but hallelujahs of saints and angels, hear the blasphemies of the multitude. Consider that face that was fairer than the sons of men, spit on by those beastly, wretched Jews, 
whose mouth and tongue that spoke as never man spoke, accused for blasphemy. Those hands that freely swayed the scepter of heaven, nailed to the cross for man's sins. Consider each of his senses annoyed, his feeling or touching with a spear and nails, his smell with stinking savor, being crucified about Golgotha, the place of skulls, his taste with vinegar and gall, his hearing with reproaches, and sight of his mother and disciples bemoaning him. Consider how his soul comfortless and forsaken. Consider that all this is for those very sins that Satan paints and puts fine colors upon. Oh, how should the consideration of this stir up the soul against sin, work the soul to fly from sin, and to use all holy means whereby sin may be subdued and destroyed. After Julius Caesar was murdered, Antonius brought forth his coat, all bloody and cut. He laid the coat before the people, saying, Look, here you have your emperor's coat, bloody and torn. Whereupon the people hearing it were presently in an uproar and cried out to slay those murderers. They took their tables and stools that were in the place, set them on fire, ran to the houses of them that had slain Caesar, and burned them. So, when we consider that sin has slain our Lord Jesus, ah, how it should provoke our hearts to be vengeful against sin. It is sin that has brought on the murder of the Lord of glory. It is sin that has done such mischief that all the devils in hell could never have done. It was good counsel that Bonaventure gave, never let go of your mind the thoughts of a crucified Christ. Let these be meat and drink unto you. Let them be your sweetness and consolation, your honey and your desire, your reading and your meditation, your life, death, and resurrection.